This is episode 85. Today, I have an interview with Megan Lyons from the Lyons Share Wellness. When it comes to the field of health and wellness, Megan is one of the most brilliant voices out there. In our interview today, we're talking all about sugar. So tune in and I promise you're going to learn so much from her. I know I have. You are listening to the Simple Families Podcast, a Q&A style show that brings you solutions for living well with family. Here's your host, Danae Barahona. Hi, it's Danae. Thanks for tuning in. As some of you know, this show has always been a question and answer style show, but I am starting to integrate interviews and I'm really excited about it. I'm especially excited about the interview that I'm bringing you today. Today, I'm talking with Megan Lyons of the Lyons Share Wellness. As soon as you hear the interview, two things are going to be really evident. Number one, Megan is brilliant. She has degrees from schools like Harvard and Northwestern. But more importantly, number two, she is the most genuine, authentic, supportive person you'll ever meet. Therefore, I'm so excited that she agreed to talk with me and answer all my questions about sugar. So without further ado, here's the interview. Hi, Megan. How are you doing today? I am doing great. How are you, Danae? I'm good. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Thank you. I'm excited to talk to you and hopefully add some value to your listeners. Well, we appreciate you and appreciate you giving us your time. I would love if you would just start off telling us a little bit about the Lions Share Wellness and what you do. Sure. Uh, I own the Lions Share Wellness. It's been up in business now for about four years, which seems like both 20 years and two months all at the same time. Uh, but it really came out of my passion for nutrition and wellness and helping others. In my old corporate career, I was always doing this on the side. I was always talking to my clients about business and really trying to dig into their uh, health and personalize and see how I could help them. So I, I decided to make this a career in January of 2014. Uh, and I do all kinds of things. I work with families, with individuals on all kinds of nutrition concerns from emotional eating to picky kids to weight loss, managing chronic conditions with nutrition, kind of everything in between on a one-to-one -one basis. And then I do a bunch of uh, group coaching programs, speaking, corporate wellness, just a little bit of everything. If it has to do with nutrition, wellness, overall positivity, then I want to be part of it. That's wonderful. And Megan, I'll tell you that you are my go-to resource for health and wellness. And I believe so much in what you do and the things that you have to say that I feel like if I ask you something, I don't need to go out and research it myself. I just, I really trust that you have a, both a balanced research-based approach and a human approach where you feel like, where you can actually create a plan and a program that works for real people. Mm, thank you. That is probably the best compliment you could give me because so many people are concerned about health these days, and I think that's great, but that means there's a lot of uh, information in quotes on the internet available to people, and, and sometimes I just shudder thinking about what comes up if you Google something, and I, I want to do my part to get real information out there, but also know that people are human. I'm human too. I certainly do not follow 100% of what I know to be true 100% of the time. I think if we do it 90% of the time and just give our best effort, we're all good. 
I completely agree. So I want to share a little bit of, with the audience about my relationship with you. I sought help from Megan about, actually it was a year ago. It was just after Christmas last year. And I had been struggling with what I thought might be food intolerance issues. So I did food intolerance testing with Megan, which was so enlightening. And she, Megan is based out of Dallas, but she offers these type of services all, all across the world. Right, Megan? Is that? That's right. Some countries uh, do not do the food intolerance testing, but basically all across the world for the nutrition consulting and then touch and go for the um, food intolerance testing. Okay, great. And I, I had such a wonderful experience working with Megan in my food intolerance, food, my food intolerance testing. And I actually wrote a blog post about my experience and I'm going to put that in the show notes at simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 85. So if you're interested in reading more about that, please check that out. So today we're going to talk about sugar, and this actually aligns pretty closely with my food intolerance testing experience because in my testing I found with Megan that I really needed to cut back on sugar because I had certain intolerances related to sugar. Not so specific as cane sugar or directly associated with the types of sugar we think about every day, but uh, other types of sugars as well. So I wanted to get some clarification from Megan about sugar and how it affects us as adults, how it affects our kids, and certain things that we need to be aware of, and how do we find a balance with it all, especially with the holidays coming. So Megan, I wanted to start, I haven't told you this before, I want to tell you about my experience with sugar and (laughs) sort of throughout my lifetime. So you can um, maybe offer me some words of advice. So I have always been a sweet tooth and that's something I would love to hear some more thoughts on too because I always thought that that was something that I was born with. When I was a little kid, I, my brother and I used to walk to school, probably I'm thinking like maybe when we were in like second and third grades, and there was a little store on the way to school that had penny candy, and you could buy a piece of candy candy for a penny. So literally what I would do was I would like scavenge the house for pennies and sometimes nickels if I was really lucky and I would be able to get five pieces of candy and every day on my walk home from school I would go and try to get candy and I just remember spending my early years really seeking out sugar and really wanting it all the time and until really I was an adult and I feel like I've gotten a little bit of a better handle on my sugar intake. So I want to hear Megan do you have any thoughts on this like is there such thing as a sweet tooth what does that even mean? Yes, there is such thing as a sweet tooth. It is both innate and behavioral, our craving for sugar. And I am unfortunately right there with you uh, in having a natural sweet tooth. So some people, uh, even research has shown, this is not just anecdotal, but research has shown that some people are wired to crave more sugar than others. Um, They do this based on preference, but based on subjective preference testing. So it is a little bit um, of your opinion going into it, but there are many people out there who just very rarely crave sweets. They would always rather have the nachos or the pasta or the chips or something like that. And I am always right with you. I would rather have the candy or the ice cream or the chocolate. Some of this definitely is innate. But there are also two other factors. And one factor is your exposure to sugar, both previously in your childhood years 
and currently. And the other factor is just your discipline. So the, the first factor, your exposure, that's one that's really interesting to talk about, especially in the context of your listeners. Studies show that when kids have prior early onset exposure to sugar, both um, when they when the mothers are pregnant with the children and when they're consuming a lot of uh, sugar as kids, they're wired to crave more sugar later in life. So this is, if anything, just a really good motivation for the parents listening out there. Not to say no sugar ever. I'm not one of those who just say are unrealistic and say kids can, can never have sugar. But if your kid is, like you, Danae, getting five pieces of candy on the way home from school every day to try to find healthier alternatives for that. And the other um, piece to exposure is your current exposure. So even though I'm a sweet tooth, I have that uh, naturally innate in my genes, when I am eating less sugar because I'm being more conscious of it, because I am uh, increasing my healthy fats, increasing my vegetables, just honestly using my willpower a little bit to, to stay away from the sugar, then I naturally crave less. And this doesn't happen after a day or two days, but after five days or six days or 10 days, I really do start craving less sugar and things like fruit start tasting super sweet. Sometimes if I'm really diligent about it, even water tastes sweet to me. And that's when I know, okay, Megan, you are really kicking the sugar craving right now because water generally doesn't taste so sweet. So it's, it's all three of those. It's innate, it's exposure, and it's just just how, uh, how disciplined you are at the moment. I love that you said that. So this actually makes me think about some of my research. For my dissertation research, I looked at how parents approach feeding in the early months, specifically between the months, six to 12 months when we're starting solid foods. And I looked a lot at commercial baby food and what we were feeding our kids. And we know that kids are born with a preference for sweet and that helps them to seek out the breast to find breast milk because breast milk is naturally sweet. So they're born with this preference for sweet. And then later they start to develop preferences for sour and salty and bitter, but usually to a lesser degree. Now, this, of course, this isn't across the board. But when, so when kids turn six months, they still have this preference for, street, for sweet innate with the other preferences starting to develop as well. But what I'm finding when I, when I did research on commercial baby food is that a lot of the baby foods that we're giving our kids these days tend to be sweet. So if you look at most, like even the vegetable blends in the baby food department, you'll find that anything with vegetables has carrots as the first ingredient. And what do we know about carrots? They're one of the sweetest vegetables, right? And the same thing with peas. Peas tend to be, they call them sweet peas for a reason. And we tend to start our kids, here in the U.S. at least, we start our kids with carrots, peas, sweet potatoes, which are three of the sweetest vegetables, which I find fascinating. What are we doing in that? How, how is that affecting our kids, I wonder? I think that's really something to look into. I had an experience where I was looking at baby foods for a client and uh, we were trying to get in some deep leafy greens like spinach or kale or something like that. And I could not find a product, a baby food product with greens that didn't have bananas or something else to sweeten it in it. Yeah, apples uh, and pears. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I think that's because I honestly do think it's because adults are tasting the food as they're developing the blends. The adults are tasting it and wanting and thinking that kids 
want it to taste sweet. Uh, but but children, before they are given that sweetened food, they can develop a preference for all kinds of different foods, like you're saying, all the, the bitter, every other um every other flavor as well. So it, it is interesting. We are adding sugar to absolutely everything. In fact, I wrote a chapter of my book on sugar. And let's see if I can um, quote that statistic for you. There's something like, here we go, 71% of packaged food products sold in supermarkets contain added sugar. 71% of anything in the grocery store has added sugar. And this is part of the reason why we have such a problem because we're exposed to it all the time. Right. And even with baby foods, which don't have don't physically have added sugar. They have a lot of fruit sugars. We are pushing our kids towards that preference for sweet even more so because things, when fruit, can you explain what concentrated fruit is sort of like an alternative to sugar, right? Yeah, that's right. So sugar um, comes in all kinds of forms. Basically, there are 63 FDA approved names for sugar on a food label. And some of them are like honey or syrup or the word sugar, but most of them end in OSE. So there's fructose, glucose, sucrose, and the, the, uh, one of the sugars that's most concentrated in fruit is fructose, F-R-U-C-T-O-S-E. And this is just metabolized slightly differently by the body. So fructose in the form of like high fructose corn syrup or things like that, uh, at times we thought that this was higher glycemic, means meaning that it, it spikes your blood sugar a little bit more. Really, it just goes through a slightly different metabolic pathway um, and doesn't convert to glucose quite, doesn't convert to the usable sugar quite as easily. So it gives you some of the negative um, impacts of sugar without all of the positive. Now, the good news is that when we're actually eating fruit in its whole form with the fiber and the skin and the nutrients in Intact, our body knows how to deal with that fructose really well because the fiber helps slow down the blood sugar spike. Uh, the nutrients help our body deal with and metabolize the fructose slightly better. But if we're isolating the fructose or even honestly, I believe if we're consuming too much fruit, too much fructose from fruit, we can start having problems with sugar. Okay. And that's, it makes me think of there's some apple sauces out there that are in pouches and they're called like apples, apples, apples. And if you look at the ingredients, it's concentrated apples and then regular apples. So would that be an example of that sort of that highly concentrated fruit, which is going to give us more of, it's going to have more of an impact on our blood sugars? That's exactly right. Anytime you see concentrate, oftentimes it's mango concentrate or puree. The words concentrate or puree always mean that what they're doing is they're taking out the nutrients, they're taking out the fiber, and they're just extracting the fructose, that sugar that is more difficult to metabolize for our body. So um, I would far rather just have the apples and the apples, apples, apples product as opposed to the apple concentrate. You're right on that. Okay, that's that's an interesting distinction. And I think a lot of times we look at products and if they just say, it looks like it's all fruit, it should be fine. Um, mm -hmm. When the reality is there's a little bit more to it than that. 
That's right. There are some of those pouches now that are starting to include chia seeds, which uh, add extra fiber and omega-3 fatty acids and a little bit of protein. And some of them do have more vegetables in them. Some of them I've seen with coconut milk. So anytime you can get uh, the whole food instead of the concentrator puree and you can get in any kind of extra healthy protein or fat, I definitely support that. Okay, great. That's wonderful. And I have seen those chia pouches and I've actually tried them myself and they're pretty good. I have too. And I don't even have kids. <laughs> yeah, no, those, they're definitely worth checking out. So Megan, I kind of want to switch gears a little bit and talk about adults and um, not only our impact on this process in feeding our kids, but also the impact that sugar has on us. And I'm thinking, especially with the holidays coming up, how that, how to, how to handle that. And I know that in my family, looking back, we've sugar and candy was always a really big part of the holidays. So at Christmas, we got a stocking full of candy, and at Easter, we got a basket full of candy. And it seems like that is there's such an, a strong association between the holidays and sugar. And I just I wonder if it has to be like that. And it makes me think of um, my husband and I sort of have this ongoing debate about cleaning the house. And he when when I clean the house and he comes home and it doesn't smell clean, he's he questions whether it's actually really clean. And I'm like, well, what does smell clean mean? And he's like, well, it needs to smell like oranges. And I'm like, so it needs to smell like fake oranges in order for you to think that it's clean, right? It's this association that we build over time that clean smells a certain way and holidays taste a certain way. And it's it's sort of a longstanding tradition that's developed based on what our experiences are. And I, I don't want that. I don't want the holidays in my family to be surrounded with sugar and candy. And I kind of, I just, I want, I want to know how do we move in that direction? And does that make me super lame? No, it doesn't make you super lame at all. I will approach this one with two different ways. The first is for you and the second is for the kids. For you, the fact is that some of these sugary treats do have that association with happiness, with love, with holiday memories, things like that. And so I always say if there's something that's really important to you and it only comes around once a year, if your grandmother makes the best pumpkin pie in the world or if your family has this one recipe for sweet potato casserole, even if it's loaded with sugar or whatever, just have a serving and enjoy it and move on. Don't try to deprive yourself unless you have some kind of allergy or medical condition, of course, then don't do it. Uh, but if, if you're just trying to, quote, be good, which is a term that I don't really like, then just enjoy one serving and move on. Don't stress about it. One thing that we eat is not going to be the end of the world, is not going to cause long-term health complications. And it's far better to just give in to what is really important to you as opposed to trying to restrict, 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 and then you end up binging on something that's less important to you or feeling like you missed out on the experience or something like that. So if it's just one thing, go for it. Now for your kids, I think you have a great opportunity to start creating different associations. So even if that grandmother's pumpkin pie is around, think about what you do want to have your kids think of 50 years from now when they're remembering their Christmas or Thanksgiving or Hanukkah or whatever it is. And you can create those traditions. So maybe it's you go for a nice family walk and you're all bundled up and you hunt for 
pecans or who knows what. You talk about what you're grateful for right before Thanksgiving. Or even you have a nice cup of tea sitting around the fire and think about your favorite memories from last year. You can create whatever associations you want to create. It doesn't have to be food. For better or for worse, food is love for so many of us, and that's why around the holidays we struggle so much with um, resisting these temptations because if your grandmother, let's go with the pumpkin pie example again, your grandmother loves you and she believes that food is love. So she wants to show you her love by pushing her pumpkin pie on you. And if you say back to her, oh, grandma, I really, really want that. It looks so good. You know I love that, but I'm trying to be healthy right now, so no. Well, then she's going to take that and, and say, no, Megan is feeling deprived. She's feeling sad. I love her, so I want to push even harder to get her to eat the pie because food is love in my mind. She's going to push, push, push. But if instead I say, Grandma, thank you so much, that pie looks great, but it doesn't make me feel good. I've learned that uh, that just doesn't make me feel good and I want to enjoy the holidays, move on. Or if you just say, no, thank you, and move on. We tend to make it such a bigger deal. Uh, but if we can understand that they're only doing it because they believe that food is love, we can show our love in other ways, show them that we feel loved and, and don't leave the door open. Just have a complete short sentence. I love that, Megan. And I think in my home, I really strive to keep sort of in very roughly an 80-20 balance. I try to keep my kids 80% of the time eating healthier and not eating sugar. And then 20% of the time, I kind of let them do what they please. And I've kept that balance mostly because we keep it out of the house. And I just, I don't buy sugar and I don't bring it into the house. I don't buy unhealthy snacks and I don't bring those into the house. And we eat at home about 80% of the time. So I figure, you know, when we're out and we are doing things as a family or we're at a birthday party or a holiday family gathering, I try to just let it go, you know, and I try to let them do whatever it is that they're going to do. And I realize I'm not going to be able to control their food intake forever. And they need to start practicing how to control their own in intake and start regulating that themselves sometimes. I love two things about that. The first is that you just don't keep it in the house because we have all seen a kid. If you wave brownies in front of the kid's face and say, you can't have the brownies, well, that is recipe for disaster. The kid just wants the brownies and cries and throws a temper tantrum. Even if he or she didn't actually think about brownies in the first place, just seeing it and not being able to have it is really tough. Not just for kids, but for grownups too. Oh, totally. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I go so far as to keep the healthy food in front in my refrigerator, in my pantry, all this kind of stuff so that when I see something, it's okay for me to eat. It's okay for me to want it and eat it if I'm really hungry because it's fruit, vegetables, healthy snacks, whatever. Um, so, so that part I love. And also just letting them do, letting them develop their own decision-making power, their own willpower, their own control when they're out. We've all had that friend as kids who came over and ate all of our candy because their parents didn't have it or didn't ever let them have it or whatever. And, and we don't want them to be that kind of kid either. We want them to be balanced. We want them to be um, happy and healthy, of course. And that doesn't mean perfect. Yes. And I completely agree with that. And I'm not perfect. And one of the big reasons that 
we keep the sugar out of the houses, not just for the kids, but because my husband and I have very little self-control when it comes to that kind of thing too. If it's in the house, we're probably eating it. <laughs> so, and I, and I tell myself, like, if I can't control myself around it, then how can I expect small children to control themselves around it? Absolutely. I totally hear you. Set yourself up for success. I say buy willpower at the grocery store so you don't have to rely on it later. <laughs> I love that. Yes, I really love that. There's, it's, this is so complicated. I mean, you think about it, it, it seems like it's straightforward, but it, in fact, we have so many different types of sugar and I feel like it's so confusing. All of the, all the media, I see products that say no added sugar, but yet they have other types of sugar in them. And I just, it's sort of hard to make sense of it all and hard to know what's safe, what's not safe, what we should stay away from, what we should lean towards. Do you have any tips on just how to keep it simple? Yeah, I wish it were more simple. You're right. It goes back to that 63 number. There are 63 FDA approved label or names for sugar on labels of products. And so that is just really confusing. When you're looking at a, a nutrition label, you see like fat grams and calories and protein grams and all this kind of stuff. Then you'll see grams of sugar. And so certainly, even if, uh, regardless of where it's coming from, if it has a very high number, if it has 30 grams of sugar or 50 grams of sugar or something like that, it's probably something we uh, would rather avoid. But if it has a low amount of sugar, let's call it five or six grams, then what I tell people to do is look at the ingredient list and specifically look at the first three items in that ingredient list because ingredients do have to be listed in descending order of volume. So what's first on the list is most concentrated. And if there's something in that first three ingredients that has the word sugar or has the word honey or has anything ending in OSE, those are the other sugars, or syrup, that's another one, uh, then it's probably something we choose to avoid. You know, if it's a cupcake or a piece of candy, then you know you're getting something sugary anyway. But if you're trying to pick up a tomato sauce or a yogurt or a piece, a loaf of bread, something like that, then we really don't want sugar in those first three ingredients. And you would be shocked to find how hard it is to get bread or yogurt or tomato sauce or any of these things without sugar up there in those first three ingredients. So pay attention to that and just start looking slowly. Start looking through your pantry when you hear this. And if you do have that tomato sauce with sugar or if you have been buying yogurt for your kids because you thought that was healthy and now you realize there's a bunch of added sugar, well then pick that one thing and swap that out this week. Don't try to tackle everything all at once because you're going to make yourself crazy. Just do small changes that you feel you can handle. And as you start becoming more and more aware of it, it will get easier over time to read these labels. The other thing is there is there will be a line on those nutrition labels for added sugar. Some products are voluntarily putting the line in right now. It was supposed to be regulated in 2018, and now the official regulation has been pushed off till 2021, which is sad. Um, but it will it will have a line under the total grams of sugar for added sugar, and that's the stuff that we really want to stay away from. Uh, uh, okay, so right now, if it says I have, say I have a fruit bar that says it has. 20 grams of sugar and it doesn't have any added sugar. So I assume that those 20 grams of sugar are coming from the fruit, 
But if there is, so they're going to be distinguishing between how much is coming from the fruit and how much is coming from added sugar or vice versa, separating that out. Oh, interesting. That's, that's really good to know. I'm looking forward to that. Me too. I can't wait. Yeah, especially you're right. Things like tomato sauce. I did the whole 30 and is as a part of the whole 30, you spend 30 days cutting out sugar. And you, I, I looked through every single ingredient and you are so right. It is so hard to find tomato sauce and simple mm-hmm. things like that that don't have added sugar. And it's amazing that we don't realize all of the things that we're feeding our kids and that we're having ourselves that have sugar all the time. And it really adds up. It really does. Those sauces, tomato sauce, barbecue sauce, ketchup, salad dressing, any kind of sauce like that is definitely a culprit for sugar. Yogurt, I mentioned, any kind of bars like energy bars, protein bars, fruit bars, granola bars, don't think it's healthy just because the front of the package says healthy. So really look at the ingredients there. Uh, And then some other ones like cereals, things like that, uh, where we kind of do come to expect a little bit more that there will be added sugar. And and a lot of people are becoming more careful with that. But your Whole30 experience, that's a good teacher. It really is to to show you how much sugar is in everything. Yes, I think that was my biggest takeaway was the awareness of sugar and how it feels to detox from sugar, which was eye-opening to me. Because like you said at the beginning of this episode, that it's not a day, it's not an hour of getting away from sugar. It takes it takes a little while to really realize the effect it has on your body. And when you're off it, it feels really good. And you're right, you don't want it nearly as much. That is absolutely right. I do these 10-day reset group programs three times a year, and I, of course, do it myself along with the participants. And I almost lose everyone the first two or three days because, honestly, everyone feels miserable. We're taking out packaged foods. We're taking out sugar. We're taking out dairy and gluten um, just for a little while. I, I don't think everyone has to take out all of these altogether, but it's good to give your body a time to detox periodically and load up on whole foods and things like that but but I even I feel awful too right along with everyone else and I think my diet is pretty healthy on a day-to-day basis it just goes to show that this stuff is everywhere and and we can't be too hard on ourselves about it either we do what we can we try to avoid it we read those labels and then we move on with life great that's a great attitude to have Okay. Well, Megan, it has been so great talking to you. I feel like I've learned so much and I feel better equipped to handle this. And especially going into the holiday season where we are surrounded by sugar and opportunities for sugar. And I know, Megan, that you have a webinar just about the holidays. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So the holidays are something where people get really stressed out about their health. You're already stressed with gifts. You're already stressed with events and your kids and your family and all this kind of stuff. And I really do not want health to be one more thing to stress you out. I want you to go into it with a plan, a flexible plan, but something that doesn't make you feel deprived and doesn't make you feel like you have the food coma for the whole month of December. Um, So I put together just some of my best tips in a webinar. It's about 45 minutes long. It comes with a bunch of downloadable worksheets and things like that. And it's free. Uh, That's the best part about it. So your listeners can go to the lionshare.org slash holiday webinar, and that will have all the instructions to download the webinar. Perfect. And I'm also going to put that 
link in the show notes at simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 85. And there I'll also put Megan's contact information and where you can find her on social media. And she also, for anyone in the Simple Families Facebook group that follows along and asks questions in my free coaching Fridays, Megan was actually the inspiration for this. Megan does free coaching Fridays and I always give, I always bring my questions to her and that's been such a wonderful resource for me. So if you have health and wellness questions, take them to Megan on Fridays or any day of the week because she works with people all over the world at who are at all different points in their health and wellness journey. That's right. Thank you for that. And I'll, I'll plug you right back because if you, if the listeners have not listened to your free coaching Fridays yet, they're fantastic. You do a great job. And I'm so happy that we're both uh, answering questions on Fridays. It's a fun little partnership. All right. Well, thank you so much, Megan. I appreciate you. And I'm sure I will have more questions for you as time goes on. That sounds great. Thank you. It was really fun. All right. Thank you. Have a great day and have a great holiday season. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you've enjoyed this interview with Megan. If you're interested in reading more, you can go to the show notes at simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 85. And please do check out Megan's holiday webinar. You can find that at the Lions Share. Lions is spelled L-Y-O-N-S. So the lionsshare.org forward slash holiday webinar. And that will be in the show notes as well. If you want to stay in touch with Simple Families, go to simplefamilies.com and click Get Started.